0: Hello, I'm Eugene Kim, and I welcome you to On Death, the podcast where we talk about death through the four prompts. I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, we sit down with Pooja Jaya She Pooja is a 23-year-old second-year medical student, an Indian woman with a liberal arts background. I met Pooja during the first week of med school, and I've known that she would make an outstanding guest on the podcast. During this conversation, we discuss growing up Indian in Utah, imagining her mixed-race children, resisting the draw of medicine, and the death of her 109-year-old grandfather with his complicated legacy. Before we talk a little bit more about Puja, I want to talk about my long-form Sundays posts, uh, the most recent one published on April 9th, 2017, entitled On Bitter Pills or 15 Days to Step 1. I reflect on my eternal struggle with neurology. My grit is tested as I attempt to review reflex arcs and neuroanatomy. I enjoy a small temper tantrum and then get back to the work. Before that, on April 2nd, 2017, I published on time dilation or 22 days to step one. I reflect on the fugue state of step prep. The daily grind of questions, review, and videos can leave me feeling like time moves too slowly and too quickly at once. To offset this, I look to the night sky. And you can find all of these on your favorite podcasting app. Because, As you hopefully know, I've uh, started to record these. I uh, do a reading, and then I throw it up on iTunes or a Stitcher, your favorite podcasting app. Maybe that's how you're listening to these. Um, or you can read them in their full ent- in their entirety. At mnmwad.com, mobility and mindfulness work of the day, mnmwod.com. Back to Pooja. Pooja, I met her. So I met her the first week of med school during this thing called Professions of Health. It was sort of like a one week intro to like uh, the different, uh, like a little bit of interprofessional, um, working with some like farm students, working with some nursing and then we did some presentations and uh, with uh, with puja and some other students uh, I was in like a small group and we are supposed to give us a presentation and it felt like this was the biggest deal in the world and now I know with second year hindsight that it was very not a big deal but it was it was it was fun because it was a great way to like meet a bunch of other students and work in that sort of environment in like a, in like a presentation environment for you know going into all of the the lectures and just staring facing at the, at the screen and typing all the notes. So, and Pooja, she stood out to me, uh, because of her liberal arts background. And, uh, she went to school at Wellesley, which is an all, uh, all lady school and up in Massachusetts. Well, and I went to school at Tufts and, um, she, she had, I don't, I don't know if recently married, but she had, uh, she is married to, uh, her, her husband and he is a, a from what I hear, a very nice white fellow. And, uh, in this conversation we talk all, it's, it, it's very, it's very fun because, uh, we talk a lot about, uh, the, the like Asian person and white partner, um, experience. And, uh, she, cause she has it from the Indian side. I have it from the Korean side. Uh, my partner, she's a white lady, uh, her partner, white dude. Um, and she's she's a she's an Indian woman, and she grew up in Utah, uh, a predominantly white area. Um, and we and we I also grew up in New Hampshire, so it was very interesting to see a very similar but very very distinctly different experience, and and sort of trade notes, compare experiences, and 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 see how our our perspectives might differ, and and how how all of that shakes out. And it's a great conversation. I really enjoyed uh, the having the conversation, and and upon listening and taking notes uh, for for the show notes, I've really enjoyed listening to this conversation. I hope that you do as well. Uh, we talk about her hundred uh, and nine year old grandfather. That's I mean, he passed it in one hundred nine. He didn't like make it to one hundred and ten, but still very crazy old in a, in a very fascinating way. And um, and when you get to that age. You you have a lot of baggage. You have a lot of lived experiences, and we talk about that, and we talk about uh, all all sorts of stuff. Her her relationship with Hinduism, her her relationship um, with with her Indian heritage, and I think you're really gonna like this conversation. So I hope that you've already started brewing the tea, started, or maybe you just got some cold water because I know it's starting to get warm in some places. Here in Florida, it's it's like. 90s, 80s, all the time. So I'm definitely I, I got a cup of cold water with me here. But I hope that you're drinking something. Uh, stay hydrated and uh, enjoy this conversation with Puja Jay Prakesh. It is March 19th, 2017. I am sitting here in my Tampa apartment with Puja Jay prakesh and we're going to be talking about death through the four prompts. Puja, what are the four prompts?
1: The four prompts are: I am before I die. I want. When I die, I want, and after I die, I want.
0: Excellent. And how do you finish that first prompt, I am?
1: Uh, I'm Pooja. Um, I'm an Indian lady uh, <laughs> living in Tampa with my husband. I'm a second-year medical student.
0: So uh, does Pooja, so so you are Pooja. What, uh, does Pooja have, like, any, where, where does that name come from?
1: Um, so, puja is a word that means um, worship or prayer um, mm-hmm. in several Indian languages. Um, and that's the name my mother gave me um, because she uh, she really wanted a child. And um, when she had me, she said it was like her prayers were answered kind of thing. So, she had picked out the name puja pretty far in advance, I think. Um, yeah, uh, I guess it's pretty connected to my culture and my heritage for me. Um, my parents are South Indian. They're both from Bangalore, um, and we are all Hindu. Um, so, yeah, that's what
0: that's what that means to me. And uh, do you have any brothers or sisters?
1: I do. I have um I have a brother uh, from my dad's first marriage. His name is Akash. He's um a lot older than me. Actually, he's sixteen years older than me. Uh, and he lives. He's married, and he has two kids. Um, we don't see each other very often. I talk to him on and off. He's pretty busy, <laughs> but
0: in the sixteen-year gap, is that's, yeah. that's a pretty significant. It is. It is.
1: Mm. Um, he's really good at like relating to people on different um, age scales. He's good with kids, um, but you know, yeah,
0: sixteen years
1: is a lot. Of it's years. different. Yeah. yeah,
0: you're you're in vastly different parts of puberty at all times. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and uh, did you, so you uh, so you mentioned that uh, you and your parents, or at least that your parents uh, raised you all as Hindu, mm-hmm. right? Uh what what I, have you have you always been practicing? Is this some is this uh something that you kind of uh grew up under and then resisted like the you know the typical teenager does and come back to it? Or like what is the story of, of you in, in Hinduism?
1: Um I think I've always practiced. I think I did have a little bit of I wouldn't really call it teenage rebellion. I just think I was like questioning so one thing that's interesting with for me with Hinduism is that a lot of times you go to a temple or you read the sacred texts and they're obviously not in English. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's in Sanskrit, which I can't, I can't read the lettering, right? I can't read the lettering of pretty much any Indian language except for some Hindi because I took it in college. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) The joke is my Hindi is terrible. I can only (laughs) just read the letters. Um, But so trying to connect to that without my parents is sometimes difficult because my parents speak all the languages that the priests speak right oh okay um, yeah. and you know a lot of priests speak english too but a lot of times um it's like that is that a quote by nelson mandela that if you speak to a man in a language he understands you know he'll you reach him through his ears or his mind but if you speak to him in his mother tongue you reach him through his heart
0: mm, that kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah um, i like that yeah and it's so that's a source of I guess some shame for me, culturally, that I, I'm i not Indian enough, uh, yeah, that I don't okay. speak those languages. But, so that was, like, a whole issue of, like, trying to figure out how I fit in um, to Hinduism as it's practiced. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, at home, in my own home, I've always had, like, prayer setups, like, altars. What Every dorm room I've had has had a little, because my mom would usually help me set up a little, like, tray with a little, mm. our little idols and stuff. Um so I've always had that um, as to how much I've like practiced with it has definitely increased over the years. Like when I went to boarding high school, it was just there. I didn't really pray very often, mm-hmm. but I mean, it was it was still comforting to have it there um, because I feel like I identify a lot with the rituals um, and I, I do practice in terms of um, singing shlokas and um, hymns, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh But I don't understand the languages, which
0: is... It's tough. It's a tough beast. And because, like, I... Like, my... I have, like, the same... A very similar vein of, like, imposter syndrome. Mm. About, like, trying to embrace my Korean heritage. I don't speak Korean. My Mm. parents do. They speak around me in Korean about me. And I don't (laughs) know what they're talking about. It's just one of those tough things. And uh, But it's just... It's, like, very... Have you ever been back to like your parents like home like your parents uh, a home? Lot, yeah. and it's it's a weird thing to like be there and like realize you blend in entirely right mm. like that's a weird feeling. like know, like I imagine when you were in boarding school when you were in Utah or when you went to uh college in in uh, like Wesley Uh, it like you don't blend in like Mm -hmm. like people are very obvious like but it's just it's just so odd to like go back to like the motherland and like Mm -hmm. stand there in a crowd and realize that like everyone will be talking to you in the native language just because they're assuming right maybe based off their your clothes they might think something Mm -hmm. but like they're like based off of how you look it's just
1: right it is so interesting to go um to india and to feel that kind of well at least in south india where um in bangalore to feel that invisibility kind of where you Mm -hmm. just are there versus here you kind of you realize that mm. you're not the default
0: mm-hmm.
1: do you understand any korean like when people speak it do you get the gist of things
0: i i know like some nouns and i, I can kind of right. tell when they're talking about my friends When mm-hmm. but like be, beyond that it's like my like my spanish should better than my korean right <laughs> <laughs> what about you like in terms of spoken language
1: so my parents speak Kannada at home mm-hmm. um and I understand that, like, pretty decently. My um, like, grammar is horrible. So if you ask me <laughs> to speak it, like, that that was... And it's, like, it's embarrassing to try, right? Um, mm-hmm. When your family speaks to you and you speak back with this horrible accent and none of your verbs are conjugated. <laughs> and, like, your sentence structure is... Mm-hmm. And, and they, like, they mean well. Of course, it's funny to hear this American kid. But, mm-hmm. like, it's just embarrassing. So I, I actually worked in India for a few months. And my Canada got, like, okay... And my family was like, "Oh, you should hold on to that. You should always speak to us in Canada." But I, I can't do it because it's just like embarrassing for me, mm. and I feel like I know that it's bad. And, <laughs> um.
0: My sister, uh, she learned Korean. In college, and yeah. she she understands it pretty decently, but she doesn't speak around my parents right. because my dad's always like, "You talk like a baby." Yes. Right. <laughs> and like she's like, "Well, thanks, Dad. I can speak it now. Thanks." <laughs> and uh, but it's like I also hear about like you know the the easiest way to learn and like retain language is just to have a significant other that speaks the language and mm. like practicing it like all the time. And it's just unfortunate, you know, it's, like, tough, because it's, like, then they have to learn it, especially, if it's like, because you, mm. uh, your, your husband's a white fella, right? Yes, he
1: is. <laughs> he's very white. He's uh, Irish and Italian and a little English or something. He's mm. he's white. So, if
0: anything, he'd be learning Canada.
1: <laughs> right. Actually, we've talked about that before, because he asked, like, what language would I like our kids to know? Because it's, mm. it's great to be bilingual. Mm. It's, like, you read all these things about how it's good for your intelligence, and mm. people are adaptable. I'm, like, great. I'm just, <laughs> I'm useless. Um... But I was like, well, Canada would be nice, but, you know, I don't speak it really. And mm-hmm. he, for him to learn it would be like, because he, he speaks Spanish pretty well. He majored in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, he would never say he's fluent, but he, he's pretty good. Um, and, like, it's so different to learn, um, like, a non-romance language when that's what you've, like, kind of grown up mm-hmm. learning like in school. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I imagine you speak Spanish. Does Mackenzie speak Spanish, too? Yeah, yeah, she does. Um, like, can you imagine trying to learn Korean, like, the whole alphabet system? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: It's just a different beast. And, like, uh, one, th- one question I was going to ask you was, like, in terms of, like, Canada like, versus English and, like, the Romance languages. Like, are there any, like, w- weird differences in terms of, like, how they interact with the world? Like, I know there are certain Native American languages that are only spoken in the present tense. There's, mm-hmm. no, pre- there's no past, there's no future tense. And in, like, uh, some, I think, Vietnamese there's no um, subjunctive, Ooh. meaning like there's no could have, would have, should have. So yeah. you're, it's all just is in a, in that kind of sense. Is there, is there any sort of like uh, linguistic syntax, like kind of like grammar uniqueness about it?
1: I don't know. Um, so like when I was trying to learn better for um, India, when I was working there in uh, Sargur, I asked my mom to kind of teach me the conjugations for different genders, right, because... So many languages have gendered things where mm-hmm. it's different conjugations for different female or male, feminine or masculine. Um, and she kind of was like, "I don't, I don't know if we have those." What? Well, like she said, um, one of the issues she had with learning Hindi is that they struggle with the conjugations for the different genders. Mm-hmm. Um, for because Hindi does have masculine and feminine. Oh, words. okay, okay. Um, so I don't. I don't know if that's like completely true. It's also like my mom speaks that language natively, right? So she mm-hmm. didn't have to think about mm-hmm, whether mm-hmm. there's genders or not. She just learned it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know with Canada, like what, um,
0: Is Puja? Is Puja uh, is that a word from Hindi or is it a, a Canada word?
1: So I think it's Sanskrit, um, oh, okay. but it kind of exists in every language. Oh, it's like I, deep
0: least. in that. Language. Yeah. Okay.
1: I think so. Um, it is a very, like, Hindu name.
0: Is it gendered?
1: Yes. Actually, it's really interesting. I think about this a lot because um, there was a, there's a group called Dark Matter. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they, they um, do some poetry uh, and, like, other activist things, and they are both non-binary. Um, and it's really interesting. They have kept their Indian Hindu names. Um, and I think it's really interesting to think about, like, non-binary names and identification within um, the structure of, like, these languages because everything is so gendered all the names are really mm-hmm. gendered mm-hmm. like sometimes my with my mother's name satya um it can technically be short for Narayana, which is a man's name mm-hmm. but her name is satyavati which is a woman's name mm-hmm. so it's it's yeah it is gendered
0: it's, yeah uh because my name eugene is uh from like the greek uh you you like uh, well-born like you eugene mm-hmm. um and in, in like all all the romance languages, like it there there's it's like present in like a lot of languages, like Eugenio in Spanish, Yevgeny mm-hmm. in Russian, um, and it's all it's very much a masculine name. And my parents named me Eugene because um it, within the Korean within cr- like the way that you name Korean people is like each generation of the family has like a generational marker, and my marker's name uh for my my generation is Jin. And my dad's uh, within his family, it was uh, Min. So his name is uh, Myung, or er, no Gi. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his name is Myunggi. His brother's name is Min-gi, uh His sister's name is Songgi. So yeah. they all have that like connection in their yeah. name. And mine, my, in our generational marker, it's it's Jin. And uh, so they pick Eugene uh, as as my name. It's so, because it kind of has like a, an English correlate. Mm-hmm. but within Korean, uh, it is a feminine name. So nice. so if you look up Eugene Kim. Like the the Ameri- like the the like the the transliterated name, you'd f- a bunch of like very like k- Korean pop star like yeah. females like within oh, like yeah? their, like K, k- pop bands yeah that's like all that comes up. So it's a very weird place to be like named Eugene. Like it's very much masculine if you know Western name, very mm-hmm. much feminine if you're thinking of Korean names. But oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's a very it's a, like that that like fluidity of the name like that that naming binary is very very interesting.
1: Is it common then to give um, like the opposite gender, quote unquote, a feminine name or a masculine name since they've given you? Oh, a oh, feminine?
0: it's mostly like out of practical. Like, and that's what's something that's interesting is now you'll see a lot of like Korean females named Eugene, and that's like get, that's like a weird thing for a lot of like um, Westerners to right. see a Eugene that's a lady it's very very interesting and that but as far as I know that's one of the few names that has that intersection of it's sort of Korean and it's sort of like westernized so that, mm-hmm. that's why it's so common and that's why it's such a weird through line for a lot of people that's really
1: cool
0: mm-hmm. yeah. and so okay let's back up okay so <laughs> you are puja yes and you are uh, an Indian lady living here in Tampa right yes. That's the second thing yes so uh let, let we sort of started I uh, like opening that up uh what is it what does it mean for you to be an Indian lady
1: Um, yeah, like I said, I identify, I mean, through my name and just through my being pretty strongly with my, um, my culture and my religion, um, as a Hindu South Indian woman. Um, I guess what it meant, so growing up in Utah, Mm -hmm. it was a really small Indian community. Um, Mm -hmm. like compared to here, I mean, here it's crazy. I can walk around the med school campus and hear people speaking like (laughs) Hindi, Tamil, Telugu, like, um, Mm -hmm. but in Utah, it was really small and I was actually there for like, Kind of like the genesis and birth of our Hindu temple that oh. we now have that I got married in. Um, oh, that's super cool. Yeah, it was. It used to be in um, the basement of one of like these aunties um, mm-hmm. that was close to us in the community. <laughs> one of her her house used to have this Ganesha idol, um, who's one of our gods. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was there for the whole sort of like movement of fundraising and buying land and building. And yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy. But um, as far as being Indian. Yeah, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot recently about what it means <clears throat> to identify as Desi, which is sort of like the Indian word for Indian or Pakistani word for Pakistani. Mm-hmm. It's like Desh is like land, um, so like of this land. Oh, okay. Um, uh, and I think it's interesting that like growing up, I didn't, I didn't know as much about like the the countries around India
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, g- because I think especially like in South India, you're further from from all, like, mm. there are a lot of other countries <laughs> surrounding, you know, Nepal and Pakistan. And, and I think it's really interesting, too, with India and Pakistan. Um, I feel like there are so many similarities, but there's still, like, a divide um, mm. because of partition um, and sort of the idea that one is a country for Hindu people and one is a country for Muslim people, which, obviously, there are plenty of Muslim people in India. And I think there are some Hindu people in Pakistan as well. Um, so I don't know what it means to be Indian, um
0: I, well, well we we touched on something that i uh, that i always find is a very interesting conversation is what what would you want for your children like as as you know the kind of happy
2: because uh,
0: because <laughs> this is a conversation me and Mackenzie my partner right. we, we've had about like what like what do we want to do like do we want our like my parents they the children's grandparents to raise them with korean as like sort of a, like mm-hmm. a background thing like how much will they identify with it because you know When, when some random person sees them on the street, they're going to see them more as Korean than as, as white. Mm -hmm. And I imagine it will be the same for your children as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I actually, so my brother Akash is, um, he's half Indian. His mother was uh, Jewish Mm -hmm. and I think it's interesting for, so I have such an outside perspective of his experience. Mm -hmm. Like to me, Akash looks white, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. because I'm, you know, I look how I look and I'm quite dark skinned and Akash is quite fair, um, and to me, I don't. I would never think that other people would identify him as brown, mm-hmm. um, but he he does get identified that way, and he always has, um, and it's definitely affected um, his experience growing up in Utah, for instance. Um, for my kids, I mean, I would like them to identify as Indian. I, I feel so strongly, so I think just backing up a little bit when I say what it means to be Indian I think the issue is that my, my experience of Indian is so tied up in my religion mm-hmm. as Hindu so like I can't really speak to like a broader mm. Indian experience because there's so many other religious like people have a lot of different religious backgrounds in India mm-hmm. a lot of Christian people a lot of Muslim people mm-hmm. they're even um, Jewish Indians mm-hmm. um, so
0: yeah that is a very interesting point that yours is is, is through that line of, right. of that of specifically religion versus mm-hmm. like um, like Like, do you, like, I know, because, you know, like, people are culturally, like, Hispanic, you know, Mm -hmm. like, there's that strong, like, culture there, and there's, like, the the whole, there's something, a little, it just seems like it's a slightly different beast for them than it is, you know, even though they might all be Catholic, but it's, like, the Mm -hmm. Catholicism very much is a backseat to the the Hispanic culture that they Mm -hmm. have, uh, or the Latino culture that they have. Uh, Do you you feel like you had much of the culture, or or was it really truly, like, the religion was, like, the thing that kind of... Pushed it all along.
1: I think. I think it's really um, the religion we don't have as like the community. I think I feel like communities, at least in my experience, it seems that South Asian communities form around religious institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think most of my friends. We had one friend that's Parsi, and she mm-hmm. follows Zoroastrianism. But other than that, I think pretty much all of our friends are Hindu um like from my utah community mm-hmm. of indian people like um it's like we obviously know muslim people um but it's not as much like like i think it almost forms around like you go to the temple together mm-hmm. um and i mean like i've seen this a lot with our class specifically is like it seems that like sometimes people have stronger connections around like indian people in our class aren't really like all friends because they're indian
2: mm-hmm.
1: But like the Muslim community has a strong connection through like the Muslim Student Doctor Association mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. <laughs> and here they all have a group chat, which is really cute. <laughs> 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 like it's awesome. It's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I don't think we really have that in a secular way, which is interesting because in, India is arguably like it's a secular country because it does govern people of so many different faiths. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yeah, I would say my connection is kind of through my religion. Like we did do when I was growing up, um, we would have Independence Day parties for mm. Indian Independence Day. But when you think about it, In- Independence Day is also the partition of
0: Pakistan mm. and India. So mm-hmm. it
1: does it creates those separate identities, even as it binds people together.
0: Do you? Uh, so then, I guess another question would be: Would you want your children to be practicing with you, or, or is that is, like? Do you know what kind of a religious or spiritual environment you want for your children?
1: I would. Um, I think one thing I struggle with with Hinduism is I definitely identify with it strongly, but the caste system is problematic, for lack of a better word. Um, and, like, it's interesting in that you can kind of say, like, I'm not part of that, but every time you go to the temple, it's a Brahmin priest. That mm. is, and I have a lot of respect for priests. Mm. I really do. Um, but it's, I mean, there are so many problems that arise from it, like Dalit students um, in India and here even. just what is have. That? So uh, the Dalit cast is like the quote unquote untouchable cast," mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. India has a lot I, I'm not like a political expert. I have a good friend um, who has done South Asian studies for a long time and she's much more knowledgeable on the politics of India um, but it just it's just another systemic way of shutting people out of opportunities mm. and um, out of acceptable lives essentially and it's so sad um and it's
0: very tough especially when it's such an old institution right and it is so intertwined with the political system as well like it gets like real like yeah yeah and i
1: mean you you'll hear a lot of people argue that the caste system doesn't really exist anymore and like <laughs> it's easy to argue that when you are not in a place where it affects you as much mm-hmm. like where, where you're not either the highest of the high or the lowest of the low, when you're kind of in the middle, you can say, well, I don't feel it. Mm. But other people do <laughs> um, But I, 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 so I kind of approach it from a very personal place than Hinduism because I kind of don't, I, I feel like very often with religions, the problems are in the institutions, right? Like mm. if you just look at it as a connection to something spiritual, um, to something bigger than yourself that connects you to other people, then, you know, the problems kind of, away Mm -hmm. um i i mean james practices with me um to some extent he was raised uh catholic and um now his family goes to i believe an episcopalian church i'm Mm -hmm. not very good with the different sects of christianity there's a lot of them yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um so he practices with me he comes to the temple with me um he you know we had a hindu wedding Mm -hmm. i would like for our kids to be hindu um as far as teaching them like about hinduism and the different parts that are like i said problematic like i grew up on the mythology of hinduism i think that's something that i really like and james also really likes the mythology of christianity mm. and hinduism like he finds that really interesting in religions mm. and that is sort of a you know fables as education as mm.
0: and yeah those those stories they are such a powerful vehicle for for morals and and just like a way to like as as like squishy young brains to like <sighs> be able to like give them some sort of, of like ability to navigate like all these tough questions and Mm -hmm. things uh and and, like separate from the religion itself but those stories alone like are so valuable and like having having like a whole pantheon of of those stories and 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 mythology to draw from is really valuable and that's something that is really like
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so i would really i would like my kids to grow up hindu um and i would like them to grow up indian but you know what does what does that mean like i said Um, especially
0: when they're going to be a step removed from it they're they're, right
1: and that, that was something that, as far as, like, the shame of not speaking my own language, that's something that's, like, well, they're, they're going to be, like, grandma and grandpa will speak those languages, but mm-hmm. mom doesn't, so mm-hmm. does it really matter, like, mm-hmm. what's the use of those languages anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then even, what's the use of this religion or this culture? Mm-hmm. I, I'm very afraid of having, like, self-hating brown kids. Mm-hmm. Because when there's something else to identify with that, like, counts as the default, and that's, you know, you see... Like, like, for example, you, when I grew up, all the princesses besides Jasmine were, you know, they're, they're white girls Mm -hmm. and that's what's pretty. And I grew up in Utah, so it's really a lot of blonde, blue eyed people. (laughs) Um, And that's who people have crushes on at school. And, you Mm -hmm. know, so I
0: understand that. Like, growing up in New Hampshire, um, I was like one of I was like one of like four Asian fellows. Like in the whole class. And it was just, it was just tough. Like I always had this vision of like the, the wonderland of California where there are a lot of Asian guys and like there are like white girls are growing up next to Asian guys Mm -hmm. and having crushes on them. And like Mm -hmm. how different that environment is versus like New Hampshire where I'm like one of a few. And like Mm. there, like there's no, there, it's just, it's just tough to get like just to convince. Well, it, not, like, convinced, but just to, like, get somebody to, like, to the point where they can see you as attractive when they haven't grown up with seeing different models of attractiveness, like, especially in mm. media. It's just tough.
1: And I also wonder, too, like, I have only ever dated white men. Mm. And I wonder how much of that is because I grew up in Utah, right? Mm. Where the only <laughs> Indian boys I interacted with were, like, kind of as, like, family friends. Mm. They were, like, my brothers and my cousins. and mm. um, So I'll, what <laughs> I, have a, I have a cousin, actually, that I talk about this with sometimes, the idea of, like... That internalized self-loathing or self-hatred. Mm-hmm. Um, we went out with some Indian friends, and one of them said, "Like, yeah, I don't really, I don't hang out with Indian kids." And I was like, "Why? You're ha- first of all, you're hanging out with Indian <laughs> kids right now." Um, mm-hmm. And that idea of like, like I used to say when I went to high school, "Oh, I don't date Indian boys because I'm probably related to them." Like that was the joke I would mm-hmm. make, and it was so obviously internalized self-hatred <laughs> of like, like, so
0: like defensive and immediate, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: right. Like what? you know mm. where does that come from and that comes from growing up in a in a really a brown place in a white brown face in a white place right? <laughs> so yeah um yeah i don't know but it seems to be getting better right like you see a lot more representation mm. um in a lot of like oh my god disney channel has this really cute show now called andy mac um that's about <laughs> I can't believe I watched this. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first Disney show I watched in, like, years. So watching it, I was like, this is weird. I don't identify with this, and it's because it's for a 12-year-old, obviously. But, um, yeah, it's it's a great show about an East Asian family, and it's cool because... You know, for once, they're not the sidekicks. Mm. or And, like, Fresh Off the Boat mm-hmm, is a really mm-hmm. popular show now.
0: And there's, like, and like in even in, like, comic books, like, Miss Marvel, yeah. like, uh, the Pakistani girl. Yeah. Like, really, it's beautiful. And, like, Moana, it's, like, very, mm-hmm. like, it's slowly seeping in all around the edges. And uh, it is very, very interesting to see. It. Like, imagine what it, what is it like to be, like, now to be, like, a little right. Asian boy or a little, right. little brown girl. It's, like, I don't know.
1: And, like, things like, you know, President Barack Obama was... Was a happy right? Mm. Like how cool is that to see yourself represented? You know, as someone that's biracial, as someone that's black, like you know, in the, in the White House, mm-hmm. the first time ever. That's
0: <laughs> it's really crazy, like a big combo breaker, right? Right, right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so you're a second year medical student as well, right? Yes. What is? <laughs>
1: Sorry, I feel like I'm sidetracking you. No,
0: no, no, it's good. I, no, I just like I know we're gonna keep weaving back to. these ideas so I just want to like just explore a little bit like what is it what what drew you to medicine because I knew I know that you did not have a science undergrad degree correct
1: correct um my bachelor of arts is in English English literature um so my area of rebellion since you asked about (laughs) it religiously was actually in this uh, area so my parents are both physicians oh
2: Um,
1: that's like kind of the right stereotypical south asian like you guys are probably all doctors yeah they're all doctors um (laughs) um, they actually my mom wanted to be a physics teacher Mm. and her dad told her that if she didn't go into medicine he was gonna get her married off in the village and she was just gonna stay home (laughs) so she was like okay i guess i'm going into medicine um and it was so funny because then when I first started taking physics classes, I was like, Mom, this is awful. I hate this. And she was like, no, physics is so great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so my parents, obviously, it it's like the path that they know that was successful for them. So when I was growing up, they kind of always just expected that that was what I would do. Or they, they knew that that worked for them. So mm-hmm. they assumed it would work for me. And I really like... I liked a lot of the arts growing up. I still do. I just don't have as much time to practice them, um, but I drew a lot actually in um I submitted an art supplement to Wellesley when I applied, which is wild when I think about it. I haven't drawn in a while, but um yeah, in my high school, I liked it and I did an art project um like a senior art project art thesis, whatever you want to call it, and um I like writing a lot uh, i I played piano for a long time. Um, I sang classical Indian music for a long time. So mm-hmm. I kind of was like like I wanna be that, you know, brown artist kid. Like that's what I wanted. <laughs> I so I thought I wanted to write books. Mm-hmm. And as far as my writing, I can only really write good nonfiction like about myself and about my life and the people I know. Mm-hmm. Um which I have heard some fiction authors do that and change the names, but it gets them in a lot of trouble in their
0: personal <laughs> relationships. Um, uh-huh.
1: I So that was something I kind of learned um, in high school and in college. Well, by the time I got to college, I had decided on medicine. And here's how: <laughs> in mm-hmm. high school, I did a lot of writing and I did a lot of angsting and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized I'm a I'm a person that really needs structure and um, kind of going that writing route is like either you know if you do freelance or if you you know want to be an author and you want to be represented by an agency and get your get your books published it's a long road and mm-hmm. it's so hard and it's so much rejection and you also have to write a lot you know to the point that maybe you don't feel like writing or you don't want to but that's you know paying your bills so you have to do it and because i enjoyed writing it was kind of like i don't i don't think that i'm cut out to do this mm. As a living, like I, I enjoy this, and I like reading my own words, and you know, feeling mm-hmm. like they say something to me, or maybe to other people. But
0: you don't want to make it that transition from like, like you don't like the from the hobby and the rejuvenating part to like the thing that pays the bills,
1: right? And I also, I also think like it would have been a little narcissistic of me or, or egotistical to believe that I was the kind of writer that could reach people the way that um... do you know Jemima Leary? She did uh, the namesake. It's a really good movie too. Um or Sherman Alexi is a Native American author, he's mm-hmm. really great. Um let me let me pick someone that everyone knows. <laughs> uh, JK Rowling, right? Mm-hmm. Reaches a lot of people. To believe that I could be that, um, would have been I, I think that's like way out of my depth. Mm. Like <laughs> so so I just didn't think it was worth pursuing for me. Um, that doesn't mean I think other people should give up on their dreams at all. but I realized we need to structure. and I' have always really liked biology. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I was trying to like pretend that I didn't, but um, <laughs> I do. I think genetics is really fascinating. um and I worked in an insect lab in college, and it was great. I mean, I, so I kept my English major because I wanted that balance. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want to be in the lab one hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was nice. It was great to write papers and read books. It felt. It felt, like you said, rejuvenating. Um, And it also felt like it was great to pursue that academically and feel like it was real. Because a lot of times people that have STEM families, they kind of don't see the value. And like, why are you reading books about dragons like this? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. What does this mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it was great to feel like it was valued. Like I could go have conversations with teachers and they felt like my work was valuable and, um, you know, challenging and intellectual so I liked that Um, but I don't think I also worked in the literary agency um, in college before I graduated and seeing that and um, was kind of the final like yeah I couldn't do this like
0: understanding like what is not not just like the academic application and sort of like the idealized version but like also like the actual business of it
1: yeah yeah and even in academics I remember a moment in like one of my favorite English classes um senior year uh, with Professor Rodensky who's, like, a great, she's awesome. And it was on uh, Virginia Woolf and Charlotte Bronte. Really great authors, great books. And she was um, kind of lecturing, like, awesome. She was blowing my mind. But I was like, this is so sort of solipsistic um, and, like, abstract. It's, like, kind of hard. I can't imagine doing this all the time. Mm-hmm. So working in, in English commercially as an author, I, you know, was out uh, working in English academically, kind of like I saw, I enjoyed it, but I don't think I could do it for my whole life. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it was so removed and yeah. It's, I,
0: it's sort of like how I see a lot of like, uh, like, uh, like bench work in biology now mm-hmm. or like specific research in pharma. It's just like, it's mm-hmm. so far down a rabbit hole that it's like, <laughs> if you don't love that thing you're doing right now, could you're
1: really like that one molecular sequence. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so I, I did decide that, you know, medicine was the path I wanted to take and I'm very type A, um, or, you know, I say that, but there are people in our class that are way more type A than me and are way more organized than me and just have their lives together. But, um, I like had a, when I, before I started Wellesley, I had like a spreadsheet of what class I was going to take when, Mm. one of those, um, it was, it was useful because (laughs) fitting in like the English classes with the whole like pre-med track or whatever, it was good to be able to plan that. So to be able to finish on time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did get to... I finished in three and a half years, actually, and I went to London for my, like, last hurrah of just English classes. Um, <laughs> it was fun. It was it was fun.
0: And then uh, what did you do after you graduated?
1: Uh, I came here.
0: Oh, you were, st- like, straight from undergrad? I was
1: straight, yeah. That was my, like, after I graduated was kind of my London thing. I was oh, like, I, I want to I wanna just take these classes and enjoy it for the sake of enjoyment. And I took a really great class there, Letter Term Partition, which actually like fed into it kind of made me think a lot more about like my identity and you know, politics in India and Pakistan and um, but yeah, literature and partition. If you ever get the chance, you should read some of these books. Um, I also learned about Ireland and Northern Ireland, which I never knew anything about. Mm. The it's a crazy one. Yeah. Right. It's, it's
0: it's because well, like from the outside I'm like y'all are just a bunch of white people that are really angry about this and I'm like I don't understand it but at the same time I get it. You
1: know? Oh yeah, yeah. That's always an interesting one. That was the that was the great thing about England was going there. I got to take so many classes that were about brown things and brown people, brown countries. Wellesley, I love Wellesley, and I think that there are probably more classes available than I was able to take, but the English department was really, it was just a lot of white British writers, which is, mm. you know, they have written a lot of our seminal, well, but have they written a lot of our seminal works? Have it, There probably have been others, in other mm. places, we just don't study them. Mm.
0: And do you know what you want to do with this shiny MD eventually? Just be a doctor. Yeah. Do, you any, um. do you have any interest? Like, what, do you have, It do you, have, do you like... Or have you, like, knocked out some things that you know you definitely don't want to do?
1: Okay, so coming into this, I was, like, 100% sure I wanted to go into OB-GYN. Because I... So, Wellesley is a women's college. um, And I am really interested in women's health. I still am. But... But... (laughs) I... uh, (laughs) I've always... I've always been a little fainty. Uh, Mm. I feel like this is terrible (laughs) to disclose. I feel like people are going to be like, I don't want you to see me. Like, Mm. you're not a useful physician or physician student. Um, But... Yeah, I, I have a really strong vasovagal response to surgery, <laughs> and I kind of like I was assuming that you know I've worked with cadavers now it's it's gone it's fine I'm fine. I this at the beginning of this year I rounded with a specialist in maternal fetal medicine, Dr. Romero, who's a great great doctor, and it was awesome to round with her. She was very educational. She um, but I went in for a C section with her, which is like a fifteen minute procedure. There were no complications. It's really simple, you know. You cut the babies are out, you know, <laughs> and like literally she made the incision. She went through the skin and through the like whatever viscera, and I saw the I saw the uterus, and I was like, this is fine, this is but fi- it's not fine, it's not fine, <laughs> getting a little faint. We're <laughs> like, okay, go to town. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I I'm not really much of a surgery person, and I think I had to be there to to understand that ob is a lot surgery. And that's a lot of why people like it, because they can do both. They can do clinical. They can do surgery. It's, you know, the best of both worlds. Um, I'm just not good <laughs> I'm not. And, you know, it's a very rigorous um, residency experience, and you have to really, like, be 100% there and love it to do mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and do it well. And I I can't. I can't. So,
0: well, you, now you know. Now, yeah, that's exactly. You know. <laughs> exactly.
1: It's okay. It's it's better this way. I'm glad. Um I, I, like, I, I like internal medicine. Um, I like... I don't know. A lot of things seem interesting when we learn them in class, right? Mm. And I kind of do this thing. I would love to know if anyone else do, does this. That like, every time we start a new block, I'm like, maybe this is the thing that I'm a savant at. Like
0: maybe, <laughs> It just comes naturally. Right? I just, like, see through the matrix code. And
1: like. It's never happened. But, you know, it's, <laughs> there's a new hope every time. Mm. Um, I I, yeah, I think a lot of things are interesting. I mostly just, like what I've seen with my mother, my mother is a gastroenterologist. Um, She just has really good relationships with patients. Um, Mm -hmm. Like it means so much for someone to listen to you. That's another great thing is that because my mother is an immigrant, she is patient with people when English isn't their first language.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And she's also patient with people when they don't communicate um, typically. Uh, For example, she has a deaf patient who like, I guess some people don't even try to talk to patients and they don't know that she can't hear <laughs> um but she like they write to each other back and forth, so she's I admire that patience in her and that connectivity in her, and I would like to be able to you know replicate something like that or even get close to that i think that's I think that's what is important
0: mm-hmm. that is something you mentioned that is very interesting to me is like the if you didn't grow up in a household where, like, your parents weren't native English speakers, mm-hmm. you, I, I can tell just, like, how quickly people tune out, like, like accents. They're just, like, can't understand them, not going to understand them. And I'm, like, it's pretty clear, man. <laughs> it's just it's just very interesting, like, the, the tolerance. Like, even, you know, like, I know my parents had, like, thick, cre- thick Korean accents when I was growing up. And they've subsequently, like, trimmed it down. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, they still, like, undeniably have a Korean accent. But also, like, when it's applied to, like, an Indian accent or, or like, an African accent. Like, I can, like, it, mm-hmm. it's just, like, though, though, I can still hear the English, Just but it's, like, being able to parse through it. Like, a lot of my white peers, they just don't have that patience. They don't have that, like, ability to, like, kind of, like, sift think, through
1: it. I think it's been really interesting with lectures too, because so many of our lecturers mm-hmm. are non-native English speakers or, you know, from other places, and their English is accented. And... Yeah, granted, you put it on two times speed. Obviously it's gonna be hard to understand mm-hmm. people. But yeah, it is you know, people complain. And you know, yeah, it's easy to hear the, you know, Midwestern American newscaster accent. Mm-hmm. But it's not that much harder to listen to someone that speaks accent English, you know. Mm. Like they're getting the same point across. Yeah, it is really interesting.
0: And it's 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 uh I think like an like an underestimated and a valuable asset that we have as, like, second, mm-hmm. as, like, the first generation-y sort of group, where it's, like, we just can, we have that patience, like, for, for deaf folk, and it's just, just easy, a little bit easier and, like, not as, like, reflexive like, nah, can't do it, like.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I would hope so, at least. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really unfortunate. And I'll also just ask people to repeat themselves. Also, you don't understand, you don't realize that you are not understandable. That was a, that was a valuable thing with mm. going to India, is I had to speak my English with like, put on an Indian accent because my American accent is not intelligible. Oh. To, like, when you watch, mm-hmm. Amer- at least the theaters I went to in India, when you watch American movies there, they have subtitles in English. Because it's not that people don't understand English. They don't understand the accent. Because mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's weird, people are speaking fast, everything mm-hmm. is around. Like- and it's like
0: American versus British, which they might be more right. familiar with. That's, that's a very interesting idea. Yeah. Yeah, that, and it's just, a uh... Yeah. So, you know you don't want to do OBI. beyond.
1: i just don't want to do surgery i think i like internal med um i don't i'm not sure third
0: year old you'll figure kind of a lot of stuff out
1: here's hoping Mm -hmm. yeah i'm pretty sure i'm not interested in surgery in any way i i know a lot of people say that um but but then there are also a lot of people that are like i want to do orthopedic surgery and Mm -hmm. this is my big you know um yeah a lot of things seem interesting right like pathology seems really interesting there's just like there's always aspects of everything where you're like can i do that like when we went to the autopsy mm. and, you know, they lectured us on forensic path, for instance. I'm like, can I do that? I don't know that I can do that. Um, all right. What are you interested
0: in? Uh, psych. 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 psychiatry, Yeah. But we'll see. Like, you know, I'm, I'm interested in very specific applications of psychiatry. And like the lot of the model that we have now is not exactly the kind of model that I want to practice, you know, mm. like where it's a lot of like subdue and drug mm. and like let them just kind of like glide through like that's just like a model that I don't really huh. but I also like they like how do you make a new model of like psychiatry so we'll see I
1: would I would almost wonder if psychiatry is a more flexible is it a more flexible special like field than others because there has been so many there has been so much growing that we've done and so many advancements that mm-hmm. we've made into recognizing psychiatric conditions as real things you know mm-hmm.
0: um it's a weird it's just like a it's one of those things where it's like We read about like 50 years ago, uh, like not even 50 years ago. We used to like irradiate children's faces for acne, like and you know like we hear about that and we're like, what savages? Like, (laughs) like Jesus Christ! (laughs) Like, what were you thinking? But like, how much of what we're doing now Mm, will be seen? Will look like that? And like that's that kind of like arrogance that I don't I don't think a lot of like fellow med students like realize is like a lot of what we're doing right now is going to be considered savage in Mm. like. 50 20 years yeah. but like understanding like that we will be is like is very humbling and it's, it's very important to realize like in like i feel like a lot of that is is specifically within psychiatric the psychiatric realm there's mm-hmm. like a lot of what we're doing now is just like geez man like oh gosh what yeah. were we thinking um but we'll see i don't know who knows yeah
1: that's really interesting yeah. i yeah I, I hadn't really thought about that i don't i feel like when we learn um a lot of what they tell us is more about like group therapy. Is that sort of where it's moving? Do you think is more about talking to the patients? There's
0: I, well, like there, I can go down a really deep rabbit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I can go a really deep rabbit. But it, it's just like there are there are so many like there are so many tools to alter the human consciousness that we have, but we don't we don't allow people mm. to experiment with. We don't like. I'm not saying like give. Somebody who's schizophrenic, LSD. Right. But like, there, there, there are certain psychotropic and like psychoactive mm-hmm. compounds that we just don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. And like, do we know five percent of of human mental illness? Like, do we understand five percent of human m- mental illnesses, or do we understand ninety five percent? And if you think we're closer to ninety five percent, then there's no reason to experiment with with all the crazy right. tools that we have. But if you think we have five percent and that a lot of what we do is savage, then Want, like, try it out. Don't like experiment on humans like like the Nazis, right, you know. Right, but right, like, right. open it up. So we'll. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Sorry, but no, that's, no.
1: that's really cool to consider, though. It's true that that we focus on you know subduing things and kind of just
0: like don't cause a problem. Don't don't act out as long in as, like the 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 band like the narrow band of like acceptable human behavior. Has been so constrained and so artificially constrained by like having to work in a factory and having to work the nine to five. It's like how much of like how much of like the geniuses of the world are we are we sifting out just based off of that very narrow acceptable margin of, of human behavior?
2: Mm.
0: So I don't know. Anyway, so you are a uh, puja, you are a, a, an Indian uh, lady yes. uh, living in America in, in Tampa, and you are um, a second year medical student is there anything else on that list uh
1: well I, I live here with my husband james um we've been together for almost
0: seven years. oh dang that... so before before college
1: yeah high school we met in high school Oh, dang. yeah yeah we um so i've known him for 10 years i, I really hope i'm getting the years right here <laughs> um yeah i've known him since like ninth grade we dated we started dating and 11th grade, and we've just been together since then. And one thing that's good about James is that I feel like he's really a part of my family. I think that's that's a concern that a lot of people have um, mm-hmm. when they're part of, like, a minority culture, I guess, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. and, you know, people marry outside of that. They worry that the connection won't be there, or, like, mm-hmm. you know, the families won't mesh. Um, but they've, yeah, they have. They've been great.
0: That's something that actually came up with me, uh, Mackenzie and I mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. We were hanging out with my family, uh, with my parents, and like uh McKenzie's, like taken to Korean like food cuisine and the language very well, and she like <laughs> she like knows all the Korean terms for the foods, and yeah. like uh, like the, the bar is so low for my aunts and uncles to be impressed by them because <laughs> <laughs> it's just so they're just like she's like kimchi jjigae, and she's like they're like oh, and it's it's just very it's very interesting because my uh, my aunt had a son. Uh, half korean fella mm-hmm. uh really intelligent and but he mar- and he married a like a texan woman mm-hmm. and and she, so like she pulled him into texas and mm-hmm. like like and he sort of like de- like kind of like not denied but like just sort of like left behind the korean yeah. part of him And uh, my aunt was like very. She's like kind of bummed out because she's like she felt like she lost a son. Right. And uh, when she sees Mackenzie and I, she's she's very she's like so glad for us because uh, for my parents, she's like you you guys are gaining a daughter. Mm. And that's the sort of like it's just nice to like to fold them in rather than to have anyone deny anything. Right.
1: It's it's yeah. It's so nice to have that acceptance and kind of understanding. Yeah. It's just been it's been incredible with James. He's so he's so great and he. You know, he comes to all of our family things, um, the parties, the, you know, temple events. You know, recently my aunt had a, um, she lives, I have an aunt that lives uh, down here in Florida. She lives in Citrus County, um, and her temple had, like, a big um, commemorative event. Like, it's been, I think, 12 years since it opened, and Mm -hmm. part of it was um, James is kind of, like, a bigger guy, especially as compared to a lot of um, Indian men that visit the temple. Often they are a little bit smaller um, and so the priests see James and they're like, Whoa, well, if we need someone to lift something, it should probably be him. Um, not to say that they're not strong. Plenty of people could do it. But James sticks out a little bit. It happens because he's white. I didn't need to tell. Um, so they were like, why don't you come back at midnight to help lift this idol? <laughs> James was like, OK. <laughs> he, was, he was really tired. But we went back. And the funny thing is, when we went back, they had already done it. And we were there, and I was like, oh, God. Because the, my, my aunt doesn't live that close, and it was kind of a long drive. But anyway, he's, like, very... He's game for everything, and I try I try to do the same for him. It's a little... It's, it's interesting coming from the other side of that relationship, right? Of, like, I grew up in Utah um, with a lot of pressure to convert from the Mormon church there, um, and so I kind of grew up seeing Christianity as, like, a scary thing. Um, but I've, I've learned... Um, through many people, but through James and his family, especially that it doesn't have to be. Um, and when I, I went there for Christmas, actually, and um, I went to a service with them, and it's, so, like, the first time I've ever been in a church for a service. And it was actually really, it was really nice. Um, it was an Episcopal church, um, I think, like I said. <laughs> um, and his dad, you know, thanked me for being there. He said it meant a lot to them. But, yeah, I try, I try to make it go both ways.
0: That's mm. what I'm saying. Mm. And is... is... One question I have for 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 like like you, James through you is is um th- I see a lot of like of like la- there's like a weird lack of identity amongst a lot of white folks especially in in, in western culture like there's they're they're sort of like they're they're like white mm-hmm. and and there's no there's no like strong cultural identity right, associated what is white culture right exactly and 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 uh for Mackenzie. She she loves the fact that I'm Korean and that there is uh, that I'm, I'm cl- at least close to the Korean like root of culture like my parents, mm-hmm. um, and that she can almost like adopt it like she mm. can like become adopted through that culture like some like some sort of cultural identity, and have that for our children and that's something really important to her uh, rather than just be like white American folks, you know. Right, right. Um, and how it, do you do you feel like that's some some sort of, something that James has sort of felt like there's like a, a, a like a lack of something there and that that's. That might be part of why he's he's like been willing to to mm-hmm. go like like oh yeah let's do this.
1: I, I, so I think James James has had like a cultural his cultural background that he came from was very like Boston New England white kid right mm-hmm. like he grew like up loving the Red Street, Sox yeah, and, yeah. and and um, I mean he has a he had a uh, his great grandmother uh, was an Italian woman and she. Um, she passed away while we were in high school, but he had a very strong connection with her and her sort of like cooking and a lot of a lot of it is i think through food mm, like italian mm-hmm. food his, so his mother um is italian and that that's kind of what he had definitely definitely very it was i think that was why he was so reticent to move from New England is because so much of like culture quote unquote that he had was about like that area mm-hmm. was about the boston sports teams mm-hmm.
0: um <laughs>
1: like the Red Sox, the Celtics, the Patriots, the, you know,
0: <laughs> the whole, the whole the like Bruins. uniform that they have. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. The, hat, the jerseys. Yeah,
1: I think he has one of each, if I'm not mistaken, maybe not Celtics stuff. But um, yeah, so that was kind of like what he identified with um growing up. And then that's sort of like, I'm um, this Death Cab for Cutie shirt is his, right? Like a lot of a lot of in high school, what he identified with was sort of like that kind of music. I don't I don't even know how to describe it. Right. It's just When I hear Death Cab for QE, I picture picture (laughs) New Hampshire. um, But, yeah, I think... I don't know that he's felt, like, he felt a lack before he met me, but he definitely has liked, um, like, our culture. I did talk to a friend of mine, actually, um, recently, who is um, an Irish white lady, and she was... She sort of identifies more with, like, a pagan religion. I don't know exactly what she practices, but she was talking to me about, like, how I connect spiritually, um, and she said that she... Hates it that she doesn't have a cultural connection to something like mm-hmm. spiritual. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't doesn't feel connected to um, Catholicism in a cultural way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The way that I get to be connected to Hinduism, or um, is your family Christian? Or
0: my mom uh, was raised Catholic, uh-huh. and uh, like we went through like a phase of like uh, Methodist uh, uh, because I was the only church in the area, and then mm-hmm. and now she's back to uh, strongly practicing her Catholic faith. And my dad is sort of agnostic but he was recently baptized under catholicism okay yeah recently huh yeah very recently my mom finally got (laughs) it but it's that's that's sort of their thing and i know um my like i know that my grandparents were like either buddhist or like christian and like and like a very like um like a very like koreany sort of catholic like a Mm. very like a very melting potty sort of like of both of the of the like um practices but it was, it's very interesting to see like how it's kind of changed the yeah
1: yeah um yeah so i think i don't yeah james james has definitely enjoyed like the culture that is there i don't know that he feels like he was missing one before i guess i guess cohesively he didn't have one
0: but mm-hmm. it's tough, tough yeah for, it's a little tough for white people sometimes <laughs> <laughs> it's like ah oh, man <laughs> <laughs>
1: all
0: right so so you are uh puja Uh, second-year medical student, uh, Indian lady living in Tampa, and um, married to James. Yes. Anything else?
1: Uh, Gosh, I think that says everything, because I feel like the people that are really important to me are my mother and James. I mean, obviously, there are other people that are important to me, but those are the people that I feel like um, kind of, like, form me, and, Mm -hmm. you know, my mom is where I got the Indian lady part of it, and (laughs) Tampa and James are the other half, right, so... All right,
0: yeah, so how do you finish the prompt before I die? I want
1: hmm this is hard uh, I think before I die i want I just want to be on good terms with the people I love. um I know I've seen people in my family experience things where um a parent dies and they weren't on good terms with them mm. before that happens, and mm. it, it's just the source of regret um and obviously, if, you know, if I'm gone, I won't get to feel that regret, but other people will. Um, so, yeah, I would just, I would like to be in a happy place with my relationships. Um, I don't know that there's a lot I want to accomplish. You know, I, I certainly want to, I have this, so I have this um, thing, this piece of paper. Uh, I had a nanny when I was growing up mm-hmm. um, because both my parents worked. Um, her name was Dolores Roselle, and she was a super nice lady um, She's my grandma, essentially, um, Grandma D, and <laughs> her daughter. When she passed away, um, made this thing for her funeral that said, every, "Every every life that has touched ours for good is a gift from God." So I think all I all I want to accomplish in life is just to touch people's lives for good, um, mm-hmm. not necessarily in a big way. You know, doesn't have to be like. Bill Gates, Steve Jobs level mm. of, like, reaching people.
0: We're mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, save their life. Right,
1: right. right. Um, you know, I have simpler goals, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I would like to hope that I make life better for James and life better for my parents and, you know, my friends. In some small way, yeah.
0: and it's there is there is something nice about setting a goal that is like not super high, like well, like you know, it's like
1: lowering your standards. Yeah, so lowering the standards. <laughs> so
0: it's like you know, you don't have to be awesome all the time, but you just don't be a jerk, <laughs>
1: like, You're right? You're like I don't, I don't need a legacy to leave behind. I don't think, like you know, for example, my mom. I I am obsessed with my mother. She's like a <laughs> goddess to me. Um, you know, I, maybe she leave behind more than me. Um, but when I think of like what her quote unquote legacy is, it's just that she's been good to people. Um, she's been good to me and I yeah. would want to do that before I die. I don't I don't think um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's wrong to not have goals like find the cure for cancer, but you know, I think achievable.
0: Mm-hmm. And also, like somebody's gonna find the cure for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, come on. Like, it's leave that, leave that to the nerds. Like, let them really go for it. It's kind of
1: like, have you seen La La Land? No, not yet. Okay, I, I hope that you don't, you know, like live and die by it. But there's this. So the main, one of the main characters, Sebastian, is this white guy that's like, I want to save Jazz, and it's like, Jazz is doing fine. <laughs> sorry to break it to you but the is saving itself <laughs> yeah I don't so I, I wouldn't want to be the Sebastian of you know cancer cures it's mm-hmm. it's gonna happen without me <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: do you um so you mentioned that you that you there are there have been some passings where you where you you're like that man that's like something that's that's rough and like n- n- you learn from it in in that like it's something that you don't want to reflect or mm. like you don't would you be able to tell one of those stories
1: sure um yeah, let me let me think about it. I I think the most recent death I had in my family, and it's interesting for me to compare uh, the deaths of like blood relatives to people that have been in my family that aren't blood relatives. Um, but my my mother's father passed away um, a few years ago uh, while I was I was actually home to interview um, for Thanksgiving to interview at my state medical school, and um, we were actually talking about. And I think that she feels really terrible about this. Um, we were talking about how we were going to go shopping for our wedding, James and I, in India. And I was like, you know, how is it going to be when he meets Dada, which is my grandfather? Because my grandfather was, you know, he accomplished a lot in his life. He, you know, built schools for the village. And he, you know, he educated all his girls at a time when that wasn't common practice. And, but he wasn't, he wasn't really big on foreigners, Mm. um he wasn't really big on like even marrying outside of our subcast of already so you know it's um, tough it's
0: like there's there's like you like one generation of person can only be so progressive like it's like i, I can be all that i want for like env- the environment and, and like recycling but when it comes to like eating bugs or something like that it's i'm like it just doesn't <laughs> just sit well like
2: not for me. <laughs> yeah just, no,
0: just like my kids maybe but not for am like, I'm, I'm not gonna eat the bug. like i'm just sorry <laughs> but like it's like <laughs> that kind of thing it's like for some like a lot of people it's just like there there are there they're just like weird limits to how much you can like like progress or not I don't want to say progress you know it's it's not like right It's not like you're a better person, but it's just how much can you allow your your worldview to change, like, within a generation. It's like, like,
1: where your mind can go. And he was so advanced in age as well. When he passed, he was 109. Oh, man. (laughs) he was really old. Right. So, you know, it's one of those things, especially when people get up to that age where you're like, you know, they're suffering. He was suffering immensely. I mean, his joints were all locked up, and he, Mm. I mean, he would, like, scream through the night. He definitely was having some psychotic breaks. And, like I said, he was a great man, and he did some great things, but you know, he was having a hard time. Definitely. 109 is
0: pushing the limits.
1: But we, so I was like, you know, what are we going to do with James? Are we going to go to meet him? And my parents were like, Oh, like hopefully he'll be gone by then. And then we got a phone call,
0: um, Mm. from
1: her brother. And it was like literally within five minutes of saying that. And really, yeah. And he called and he said, you know, he died. And my mom had to go, um, to India And I, I think she was on pretty good terms with her father before he passed, but some other people in the family weren't. Um, he was just, he was a difficult man because everyone is difficult when they're a million years old. Right. Like, Mm -hmm.
0: there's a lot of history. There's a lot like you're, you're a vet, like you're a vastly different person from 50 to 70, from 70 to 90, from 90 to
1: 109. Right. And it's, it's just interesting to see in families. Like I'm kind of an only child because I didn't grow up in the same house uh, as my half brother. Um, But in families, to see the kind of ways that, like, that history, like you said, that so much, so many years of little pettinesses, little debts, little, like, it all just kind of builds up, and people don't let go of grudges, and it just, yeah, so, so he passed, and she left, and I was with my dad for Thanksgiving for a week, it was, it was funny, it was funny, I don't spend that much time alone with my dad, um, but we cooked together, and, yeah, so she so she had to go there, and um, I think it was hard for some people. Even now, after his passing, um, there's been some issues over like honoring him, and yeah,
0: it's it's we like especially when it's somebody that's uh, I imagine is is relatively like central to the family. Yeah, like there's just a lot of like their their death will reverberate in like ways.
1: Yeah, so he was, my mom's mother passed when she was really young. She was, like, three, I think. Oh, man. Um, And she died giving birth um, to another child who also died. And um, so she has never been someone that I knew, obviously. And even for, you know, my mother and my aunt and a lot of their siblings, like, she died so early on that, like, there may be the memory of her. But, you know, she wasn't, like, part of the family, per se, as it moved on. Like, my mom was raised by her sisters, and her father. So he was like very central like you said. Um yeah, and I think I think it's it's really interesting how you treat people before they die versus after they die. You know, he was like he was really sick when he passed. He was, you know, in a in a bad way and you know, suddenly when that person dies, they they become this figure of like like their god and you know, they were <laughs> They were so honorable, and but you know when he was sick, you know people were like yelling at him, and mm. <laughs> it was hard for him to keep a caretaker because he would always accuse them of stealing money, and he said some of them hit him, and like you know people didn't treat him. People treat you so much better, it seems, after you die than right before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard too to see someone wasting away. Right? He had a very sharp mind though. He couldn't see very well, and he was a little bit hard of hearing. People used to joke that it was kind of selective. But, um, like, when I I would come, and this is an interesting thing with not speaking the language, my mom would sort of tell me things to say to him, um, and he would respond, and she would translate for me. He spoke Telugu, which is my mom's, like, house mother tongue. Um, They, like, it's normally spoken in a different place, but they emigrated a long time ago. And and he, like, he knew how old I was. Like, I never had to remind him, and she never had to remind him. Mm -hmm. He was, like... He was like, I'm going to find you a guy in the village who's going to BBS. And my mom was like, that's great. That's great. And he was, like, proud that I grew my hair long. Um, and, like, he got mad at my aunt because her husband and her son eat meat. And, like, <laughs> like all this stuff, you know. He he was sound in some areas and not so sound in others because he was over 100. And, and it's just – it was sad to see him so alone because you need people – That are your friends right you need peers Mm -hmm. of your own age you can't just be with your family they don't know you forever like you have a life before your kids you have a life after your kids um but you know everyone was gone it was just just his kids
0: and so i saw some like silly internet video like mind-blown sort of things and it's like (laughs) the oldest person in the world now had an entirely different set of people living with them when they were born yeah like Everyone is different. Yeah, like that's a really weird thought to have. Like when you're when when he died, it was just like everyone is different. That, that like, he, like and and like the the life that your mother knew, um, might be the only that life that she ever knew. But for him, it was like there was life before his wife and what life mm-hmm. after. And like there there that's such a big dividing point for him. But for your mom, it was just like that's it. that's, yeah. just, that's all it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's. It's so interesting. And I didn't like the reason I say it was it's kind of interesting to compare, you know, his death with Grandma D's for me. It's like I knew Grandma D much better. I didn't cry when my grandfather died. I I felt very bad for my mother because mm. she knows him as a parent, but you know, when when my nanny, Grandma D died, I mean, I cried all night. Like I, and she also was in a bad way. She was in a bad place and she was suffering and it was, you know, I'm glad that she passed because she was in pain and she was, but it was you know, it's a different way of relating. Like, obviously, he was important to me. He's my grandfather. He's my family. But I didn't know him personally.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you, because um, it sounds like both of them, they they were yeah they were not in the best health, and they it sounds like they might have been advanced in age. Do you know like what your like? I don't know like not not like how long do you want to live but like is mm. it like do you know um
1: that's the big joke in my family is, what <laughs> we'll never die like when people when people would have um trouble with my grandfather because like i said difficult he was he, he would throw things would scream he was always mad at everyone he had mm. all these conspiracy theories um he was so old that people would be like oh my god he's <laughs> like it's you know like like you joke when people are being difficult and you know <laughs> my dad's dad also lived a long time so that's like the joke in our family when someone's being difficult is like if they go the same way as their parents they're just never gonna die <laughs> um, I don't think I wanna li- I mean my mom having seen her father is very like she's like you know if I'm she says the most morbid things she's like if I'm you know getting dementia if I have Alzheimer's please smother me with a pillow and I'm mm. like mom I can't i can't kill you (laughs) (laughs) but she's very you know she just wants to pass quietly in her sleep and with a heart attack like you know not old which Mm -hmm. i understand when you see people that are older that aren't themselves anymore Mm -hmm. that don't get to enjoy their independence or even you know their personality they don't get to enjoy the person they were um you see that and you're like i don't really want that for myself yeah as far as how long i'd want to live i don't and I, I'm sure, like, your opinion changes when you actually get to that age, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm still living my life, and I want to keep living my life.
0: Yeah, It is, like, the number is not that important as it right. is to, so like, the state of health that
1: you're in. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, do you, is there anything else that you want before you die? Because you, you set the bar relatively right. well. low in a good in a good way in a good way. I, that's exactly how I would do the same. I would do the same thing. It's there's a there's, a, there's a,
1: like you're lying. You know,
0: There's this I, I, I tell this story a lot on, on this podcast of, of this Chris Hadfield quote. Um, he's a he's this Canadian astronaut and he did like the, the Bowie in space thing. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you might have seen it. You might know. Yeah. Um. And uh, he has this this line of like try to be a zero. Uh. Don't try to be a one. And this idea, of, like, if you're in a novel environment with all these group dynamics going on, and like you're you're you don't know the situation entirely, we don't try to bust in and and like help everybody, you know, like just get like hang back, get a lay of the land, and and just understand what's going on, and just try not to actively detract from what's happening, mm. and 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 this idea of just like be a zero initially, and then eventually once you get an understanding, then be a positive, then try to be a one, just but don't try to be a one from the outset. And that's, mm. like, the sort of, like, you know, don't just, you know, because by being a, a trying, tr- by trying to be the Bill Gates or Steve Jobs of the world, you can easily become a negative right. force by right. accident. Just, just like, not understanding the consequences of your actions. Mm. Um, like, you know, because, you know, I, my understanding is, like, Steve Jobs was such a complicated figure, right. you know, and it's, like, that kind of, like, it's just, like, do you want that complicated figure, or do you want to be, like, just nice person, mm. like, all around? Yeah,
1: I think I really just, you know... So I don't, I would like to have kids, but if, you know, knock on wood, if it doesn't happen, I really just, yeah, I just want to have a positive effect on people.
0: Would you adopt if you could not have, bear your own children? Yeah,
1: I think so. Um, James and I have talked about that before, actually. I think I would like to adopt an Indian child if if we did do that. But, um, like, my mom was going to adopt if she didn't get married.
0: Mm. Um, That's an interesting, it's a beautiful thing. The like being able to adopt a like a child of your own ethnicity. Mm. Like I, I I don't know how common it is amongst uh, Indians that you know, of, uh, but I know one common phenomenon is is Korean children getting adopted by white yeah. white folks. Oh, and, yeah. and it's such I know it's such a tough place for them to be in because they're, you know, you know, this this white family that has like a boutique child, right, and, right. you know, like a cute little Asian boy. And then when they grow up, they're like an Asian man. It's like who like you know, perceptions yeah, well, change right. about them and then they don't have like the family to connect with their with their with their ethnic heritage because mm-hmm. their parents are white they don't you know it's like they, there's no there's like lacking that but it, being able to adopt a child of your ethnicity who would have maybe otherwise been adopted by like a white family being able to at least provide a through line mm-hmm. to them of like this is your people
1: right right and it would it's interesting because you know depending on where in India the child was from it would be you know maybe it's not exactly what where it, where they're from, because mm-hmm. there are so many different cultures in India, like, each state is, like, its own thing, mm-hmm. which is why I think it's harder for, like, Indian communities to come together, like, in our class, like, everyone's from different states, and, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, I think we would probably adopt an Indian child. Um, but, yeah, I don't have, you know, like I, feel like, I feel like when you say that you want to have kids, a lot of times, sometimes people perceive it as, like, you just want to make copies of yourself, like, it's just a completely selfish thing to have kids to, like... Mm-hmm. Because, it like, it's scary to think about raising kids and, like, they're going to be their own people. And, like, it's cool, but mm-hmm. then it's also, like, you have no control... Um, yeah. So I have this
0: I have this joke with Mackenzie about like she she just imagines like the little babies that are awesome and like bubbly and lifely and I'm imagining like the 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 teenagers that are just giant turds. Like <laughs> like I know, yeah. I, you know, like I'm not yep. gonna I'm gonna love them, but I'm not gonna like them for like eight oh, yeah. years. Like I, I, no matter like how well I we you know like it's just
1: there's no getting around it. Yeah, <laughs> it
0: just yeah. It
1: just is like that. They're their own
0: children. They're going through puberty. It's going to be crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I I like I feel like. Yeah, I feel like when, when I say before I die, like, sometimes you think of, like, your kids and, like, what, what will they be doing? What will they be accomplishing? But, you know, I don't want to enforce expectations on kids I don't even have yet, so.
0: <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, how do you finish the prompt, when I die, I want?
1: When I die, I want to be cremated. Um, I don't I don't think I need to be, like, scattered anywhere. I know that's a common thing that people do, but
0: um, well, I actually. Why well, cremated?
1: I mean, I feel like, so, one of the things I kind of identify with in Hinduism is the soul, Atman, like this um, indestructible thing that is you that moves from body to body. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the body is just like clothes that you wear. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't need my body to be buried as itself as an empty shell somewhere. Like I would rather it just turn to dust or ash the way the way it really is, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually was I was under the impression that cremation was a common thing in my family in India. Um, I think I had this, like, romantic idea. of You know, people talk about, sometimes they talk about, like, sati, which is the practice of widows um, burning themselves on the pyre and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, people, I think I got a lot of snippets of, like... <laughs> exotic quote unquote mm. ideas about india and indian mm-hmm. culture like when i was growing up mm-hmm. i was kind of like oh is this what we do <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and then my mom told me about her remembering her mother's funeral and they they buried her and obviously i know that they buried my grandfather um so yeah i think i think for a long time growing up i wanted to be cremated because i thought that was like what we did
2: mm-hmm.
1: but now knowing that's not <laughs> what we did i i what we do i still still want that um James James understands like the need for a marker, like a tombstone or something to visit. I don't really, you know. My there's a kind of a joke in my family where you know um, a lot of mythology and a lot of uh, what you say in Hinduism is like God is everywhere, and I'm sure that's common in many religions. And my dad will always be like, "Why do we need to go to the temple if God is everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: a real sassy dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: yes, um, but I kind of feel the same way about you know me. Mm-hmm. to whoever i'm important to um after i die you don't need a tombstone mm-hmm. just there
0: mm-hmm. do you um have you imagined the moment of your passing
1: yes i think sometimes seeing things like have you seen the notebook yeah you know how they die together like holding each other um or something far more grotesque is the Hunchback of Notre Dame, um <laughs> the esmeralda uh dies and is buried in a mass grave and the hunchback is in love with her so he goes to the grave and finds her corpse and lies there with it and dies mm. and I, so I think I imagine <laughs> I imagine like painful or uncomfortable deaths like that a lot where I just like, think like what are you thinking about while well, you just you know you can't do anything and your limbs are seizing and you're just you're gone or going um, but I think I, I picture that peaceful ones a lot more um i consume a lot of media uh there's this music video by cage the elephant um in which it depicts a couple um and i think the man dies in his sleep and his um partner wakes up and is you know obviously grief-stricken um but when he's passing in his sleep it's this sort of like the common like moving through events of his life and Mm -hmm. um like it's like a dream like i think that would be ideal right to pass in your sleep um
0: well, and there's something there's something really weird about the ability and like like all of the accounts of like near death experiences and mm-hmm. like what happens when your body is able to prepare itself as a vessel for death, mm-hmm. like versus like the like boom you're gone like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But like the the ability like there's just something weird about your like your body knows when it's going to die mm-hmm. and it like runs through like some sort of programming where it's like all right now let's let's relive everything and like right. like go through this crazy psychedelic experience of death. And and being able to experience that in like a peaceful way rather than like oh boom I had a shark attack yeah 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 yeah,
1: yeah that's true um yeah you wonder what last people's thoughts what people's last thoughts are like is it really like you said this whole and, and you know people who've had near death experiences can talk about it because they come back but are people thinking like you know are they thinking through all of the sentinel events of their life or are they just thinking gosh I gotta wash that shirt tomorrow
0: mm.
1: and then. And then tomorrow doesn't come. Um, yeah, I, I don't know.
0: Is there? Um, has there been a passing? Or have you? Have you uh, been in the presence of somebody who passed?
1: Um, so when my dad's mother was sick and dying, um, I did see her at her deathbed. I was really young. I was like four, so I was just really scared. Um, I, that was the, like the first time I met her, I think, mm. in my memory, and mm-hmm. you know, she was. She was kind of wrapped up and a lot of people were attending to her, um, but she, you know, she didn't seem happy. And I was scared because she was, like, a, an older lady and there were had, all these people, I didn't know what was going mm-hmm, on. Like,
0: very little context for what's exactly going on. Yeah. Right. Is um, there is there a death that you want to resemble? Have you have you ever seen or heard mm-hmm. of one or, like, maybe through, through media, like, under, like, because that, that, for me, is, like, a lot of, of my, like, I... I haven't seen or heard of, like, personally, a death that I want to resemble. And the only way that I feel like I'm going to find one that I want to resemble is through, through stories and media and, like, mm-hmm. and accounts written of, of, like, other people passing. Because it's just so, they're just so, like, the the way that we all enter death now, at least in, in this culture, is just so weird.
1: Yeah, yeah especially, like, via the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Since we're in medicine, it's, you know, it's scary because people are in alien place they're in a hospital bed everything is sterile they're hooked up to a million tubes you know Mm -hmm. they maybe are sedated to the point that they don't really know what's going on and their loved ones are around them and they don't look well and um yeah and that's scary and i don't think that's how most people want to go actually um this was said in a humanities lecture there was there was a student who uh, mentioned that her father did tell her that he didn't want to pass in a hospital and he wanted to pass at home um and she, she said, obviously, they honored that, but she felt like it came with its own difficulties. And I don't know what that exactly what those were. Um, but but yeah, I wonder. I mean, I think I think it would be nice to die somewhere familiar, mm-hmm. you know, to die. Sometimes you see things like um, I recently rewatched. Uh, oh, my gosh. What was it called? was for my scholarly concentration, gender and medicine. And it's a movie about uh, one of the first uh, trans women to undergo gender reassignment surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, The Danish girl. That's the one. And uh, Lily, who is um, the patient and the trans woman, um, you know, passes because the surgery is like insane and intense and she loses a lot of blood, but she dies like outside in the garden um, and kind of just like, you know, her breathing slows and she goes and she seems peaceful that way. Um, uh, yeah, I think there are a lot of peaceful places that people are depicted dying in. You know, movies and like the first thing I brought up with uh, the Notebook, where you know you die with your spouse. Yeah, I think I would just like to die in my bed. I, don't, I guess it would be nice if if James. I don't know. No, if James is alive, I want I want him to stay alive. It's a tough I just, thing, right?
0: Because then you, then you, I, I So I, when when Mackenzie and started started to get serious. I had this one. I remember it was, it was last Easter. I was driving down to Sarasota to hang out with my aunt and uncle uh, for their Easter service at their church, and I remember I like broke down like weeping because I, I I had this realization that like you know Mackenzie and I were gonna get serious. We're we're we we are getting serious. And we're we're developing a relationship that is going to go into the far future that I can't imagine. But given the realities of mortality. One of us is going to die first, unless mm-hmm. we both die in like a car accident together, right, right. and and that will mean that either I leave her alone in the world or mm-hmm. she leaves me alone in the world, and it's just like that. That ruined me, and then right. I, I, but I felt it, and I was kind of like it allowed me to like okay, just accept it and move on. But it was this really, it was just really intense realization, and. It's weird. It's, like, it's very weird, especially when you're, when you are married and you're, yeah. like, and you, and you see, like, your, your grandfather, like, how he, it was just, like, he had a it different was, yeah. life afterwards. And, and what is that? I don't
1: know. Yeah, I don't, James, a lot of the times will say, like, you know, you always have conversations when you're with someone, be it your mother, or your significant other, or whatever, about, like, the long-term kind of things. Like, what would you do if something happened to me? Um, and... A lot of times James will say, like, I would walk off a cliff. Like, you know, things where you just don't want to think about it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't It's selfish to say that, like, I would rather go first so I don't have to be without him. Um, But I think, I don't know. Either way is probably okay. I I think that that thing will happen where, like, you know, sometimes people just don't last very long after there because mm -hmm. they want to go too. Like, my grandma Dee, um, she passed, like, a year and a half after her husband, a year. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah,
0: that's so tough. It's so interesting, but so tough.
1: Yeah, it is. It is really interesting Um, for some levity. uh, my, My dad really likes cars, and he used to drive a stick shift car. This is before I was born, I think. Or maybe it was when I was really young. Um, so he used to ask my mom. She doesn't like to drive his cars; she just drives her car. Mm-hmm. And he used to say, "What what happens if, like, I go to the hospital in this car and, like, leave and I die there or something?
0: Like, <laughs> Who'll bring go this home. car
1: back?" And mm-hmm. she's like, "I'll leave it there. Just <laughs> stay there. It's fine." <sighs> yeah, yeah. I don't, What do we? What do we talk about when we talk about you know deaths among couples? It's
0: It's a weird beast.
1: Yeah, it's it's sad. It's sad because you do share so much with that person. Um, and it's it's more of a, like, parallel relationship, right? Because, like I was saying, you know, my mom had a life before me. She has a life after me. And she, But, like, James and I, obviously, we had lives before each other. But we're, you know, in the same generation, in the same mm-hmm. year. So, so, like, a lot of this is, like, us growing together. So it'll be a lot more, like, I had a life before James, but I... You know, at some point, it's going to be more of my life that I've spent with him than without him.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. well, especially because you've known him for so long. Yeah. It's like that's such an interesting, different beast as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you. How do you finish the prompt after I die? I want.
1: After I die. I want. Hmm. Or are these your answers?
0: No, those are somebody else's. <laughs> I don't. I can't remember exactly who did it.
1: To be remembered. I think that's a really interesting thing because I was talking a lot about. You know, I think what people think they should want um, in terms of, like, legacy, you know, lasting. And I think the reality is a lot of times, you know, if if you make some kind of big discovery, obviously your name will be on it and you'll get, you know, a disease named after you or something. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you wonder with those? Like, do you really want... Do you think those people wanted to be remembered whenever someone got, like, terribly sick?
0: Like, you... you.
1: <laughs> a disease named after you or something? <laughs> You know like how long you as a person are like formally remembered in your family um like for example, I've been talking about my grandfather a lot you know my my kids will never meet mm-hmm. my grandfather, um so will he ever be anything but just a name to them, and then when they have kids, you know why would they talk about my grandfather mm-hmm. um,
0: there's and- a There's a Cherokee saying of like you you die two deaths uh, mm-hmm. when you take your last breath and then the last time your name is spoken aloud
1: mm. Yeah, and is that, like, is that a bad thing, I guess, is my question? Because, you know, to say there are two deaths, death is something natural that we all go through. Mm-hmm. Um, is it is it that sad that, you know, your name won't get repeated? Because, I don't know, maybe I just live a very kind of present tense or, you know, past past to present tense oriented life. Um, like, I feel like it's important that that, like, you know, I leave a good impression on my mother and on James and on my, my close friends, you know, like Veronica and Haritha, my sisters. Um, but, you know, moving forward, like, if my kids' kids' kids don't know who I was, that's, that's okay with me. You know, they have their own lives. They will have their own lives. <laughs> I, I have I have my own life beyond, you know, I don't know who my grandfather's grandfather was or my grandfather's father even, like. Mm-hmm. um, And I don't think that that, makes his life less important. Um, I don't think that it doesn't mean that he didn't accomplish things. And, you know, my mother has had a profound effect on my life, and I think has touched the lives of other people around her. Um, will that be remembered in a hundred years? Maybe not. Um, but that's okay. I'm I'm fine with that. I think I think because I subscribe to the ideas of Othman and reincarnation and things like that, like Like, everything is so fleeting anyway, Um, and we're all just, in my mind, kind of facets of, you know, one big thing Mm that is life. Mm -hmm. So it's okay if I'm not remembered by anyone except the people that were, you know, closest to me, and when they pass, if no one else knows me, that's really (laughs) fine with me. Like, I'm not, so I was saying I'm not big on that genealogy thing of, like, You know, people like to, uh, you know, plot out their family trees and be like, wow, I was distantly related to this guy that came on the Mayflower or whatever. And it's like, okay. And
0: does that change who you are now?
1: Right. Like people, I think people like to put up, you know, pictures on their wall or things like that. And, you know, if you're a history buff, fine. I guess I'm not really. (laughs) That's showing. Um, (laughs) But yeah, after, after I die. I don't know if I am remembered, I want people to remember me fondly. Instead of negatively. I think that would be all I can ask.
0: Are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: I think... I think I tend to be kind of a... I say practical, but often people would say pessimistic. Um, I tend to be that way as a person, but... I don't know. Like Like we were talking about earlier, so many things have changed. Um just in terms of, for example, like, visibility for minorities um, and acceptance for a lot of marginalized communities, like, things are changing so much from, you know, the time before that mm-hmm. that's positive. I think it's, you know, I think sometimes things still get scary because it's, you take we take two steps forward and, you know, four back when bad things happen um, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. high places. <laughs> um, but... I think I'm optimistic. I think you have to be about the future, right? Because if, if you if you are thinking negatively about the future before it even happens, mm. like you, you kind of yeah. and if you, lose you have kids too, wise. you're like,
0: what are you birthing them into, right? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Hopefully, you're-
1: right. There's um, yeah i I think it's it's best to to try to be hopeful about the future. I think that I I stress myself out a lot just thinking about my own personal future. Like mm. you know, you think about whatever step residency like all these things and that can be stressful but you know try to be try to be open about things that haven't happened yet i guess mm. i would say because
0: um, the, the it's just such a weird thing like the um i think it was alexander the great is closer to our time period than he was to the building of the pyramid
1: really so wow. like just
0: just thinking about like time in that like broader like red wood like span of mm-hmm. time like mm-hmm. like in like w- i don't know that that's just it's just such a weird like what do, when you think of like after you die do you think of like the next 20 years with your children or with their children or do you think about the next 300 years with like goodness knows what's going to happen or like the next thousand years ten thousand years where it's just like I, it's just a very weird question right like
1: <laughs> no yeah yeah well because when you think when you think of like thousands of years right like who is who which of us is gonna have any effect in mm-hmm. a thousand years
0: very weird when like who like who, those who might have the biggest effect or will might be remembered least like mm-hmm. i remember there was like this some russian dude uh during the cold war who like stopped Um, stopped, like, a retaliatory, like, what the Russians thought was a a missile attack. Mm. It wasn't. It was, like, an error with radar. But he decided not to retaliate. He like saved, literally saved the world wow. by not doing so by like staying his hand, and it's just like we don't know some yeah. It's just like some dude, but we all know like Kim Kardashian. Like it's just <laughs> just such a weird phenomenon. Well,
1: did he take any selfies?
0: <laughs> exactly, like he should have done. Yeah, no, it's
1: interesting. I think I guess when you think super long term, you think more like environmentally, right? Mm-hmm. Like th- then that's when I think you start getting into the issue of like like oh, so many species were there before we all endangered and
0: extinct Mm -hmm. and like
1: but then you think long term of like you know we are also just you know
0: a um, species random species and Mm
1: -hmm. the the earth will go on without us no matter how poorly we treat it and you know i guess that will be our legacy as a species as to how it turns out but
0: Mm
1: -hmm. but yeah i don't know the future seems cool
0: (laughs) i like that i think that's a good note to, to to roll out on um i've i've been looking forward to this i've quietly been looking forward to this conversation because we met during the like first week of medical school
1: professions of health was that what it was called yeah
0: the professions of health (laughs) and that presentation it was it was great fun and I knew, like, I want to keep track of Pooja and I want to interview her before I leave because uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm one of the selectees. So it's just one of those, like, oh, there's some people I'm like, I want to, just want to grab you, <laughs> and sit down and talk to you uh, for a little while before we, before we head out. And I've been looking forward to this because of your, because of your like, not your, your like, bachelors of arts background. And just, like, and just, I just know you're an interesting person. So, um, thank you. yeah, thank you. This has been a great conversation. And I would like to give you the last couple minutes to speak to the audience, the microphone. Um, just say whatever you would like, whether it's to um, to to James, like listening in the future, <laughs> whenever he decides to listen to it, or you in the future, whenever you decide to listen to it. Uh, maybe like your future children, if you can even imagine what they are. Um, just because the technology is weird, they can hear it. <laughs> it's just a weird, crazy thing. Um, so I'll give you the last couple of minutes, the last few moments. Uh, the floor is yours.
1: Wow. Okay, I've never I've never been great at public speaking. Um. Hmm, to future children, to James. I feel like it's impossible me, for me to speak to people that don't exist yet. I can't even conceive of that um, or that, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I would just talk to James and I would say, I love you. And I really appreciate I I just know that I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am without the people that support me all the time. And James is one of them. Um and my mother is one of them, and my really close friends from high school, Veronica and Haritha, are some of them. And, you know, I just, I have, like, a really small family sort of around me, and I appreciate it a lot. I appreciate the people that support me, and I hope I give some of that support back. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess to myself, try to be more optimistic, since you just teased out of me that I feel that that's the only way to approach the future. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just just an Indian lady on a couch, and I don't know that this has any, you know, lasting, reverberating effects, but try to put good out into the world and love out into the world. Yep.
0: Thank you. Pooja, this has been an absolute pleasure, and I hope that you feel the same.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you. This has been Pooja uh, Jayaprakash Jaya on Dive. Thank
1: you. <laughs>